Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 34th episode, the Bertrand Gachot episode, and I hope I'm saying that right. I am here ahead of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, and if you forgot, it's a sprint weekend. We have F1 cars flying on all three days of the weekend, and Interlagos always seems to be an absolute banger, doesn't it? I love this track. Anyway, let's preview the weekend in Brazil. It's lights out and away we go. All right, now before we get into the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, remember it's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix now, it is not the Brazilian Grand Prix, let's talk about a few things in the F1 world recently. First off, F1 was doing some filming in Las Vegas this past weekend for the race that will take place next November. Uh, what's crazy, um, I guess I have like a personal story about this, is my friend of, is actually in Vegas right now. He couldn't care less about F1, which is ironic. Um, he said that they actually had to stay in a hotel as far away as possible from kind of the, the happenings with the F1 stuff, just so they didn't have to pay like extreme rates. Like they're there, they're, they're still there right now. And they were there while all the F1 stuff was going on. And they would have had to pay, I believe nine grand a night. He said, you could see everything that was happening from the MGM hotel and it was nine grand a night. That's insane. Like, this is just for filming and promo. Imagine the race. I'm sure some of you guys have actually looked at how much it would cost to go to Vegas for the race. Uh, another friend of mine took a little bit, <laughs> took a little bit of a look more at the track, and he's not too happy with uh, how it looks. He just said that you might as well race a NASCAR uh, around there because it's just a circle with a bunch of straights. I mean, it's it's not that bad, but I get what he's what he means because it, it really is going to be something else. I, I'm I wonder how many engine penalties are going to be taken there. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I love me some Lewis Hamilton, some George Russell. They were in Vegas, but there's no way I'm paying nine grand a night to see them do some donuts um, and sit on, sit on a stage and answer some questions from David Croft. <laughs> that That's pricey. Of course, you get to enjoy the rest of your time in uh, in Vegas, but nine grand a night, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll pass on that one. Um, on a more Brazilian topic, I guess I saw that Lewis Hamilton's actually become an, uh, an honorary citizen of Brazil. I feel like the grid used to have a lot of Brazilian drivers and like great Brazilian drivers. And now all we have is a couple reserves, Felipe Drogovic, Fittipaldi, um, and a guy now that was born in Britain and knows no Portuguese. <laughs> That's what we get for a, a Brazilian driver nowadays, I guess. Um, who knows, maybe Felipe Drogovic can break into F1 and, and show he's got some talent, but I don't know. I wouldn't say he has the best junior career compared to some guys who are on the grid, but Hey, Lance Stroll is a, is a pretty competent formula one driver and Felipe Drogovic has had a stronger junior career than him. I'd say so anyways, let's get into the weekend. Interlagos has been a staple on the F1 calendar for, for years and for good reason, there has been what seems like an endless amount of instant classics at this track. It is absolutely, unequivocally one of my favorites. Silverstone's probably my favorite. Brazil, Interlagos might be my second favorite. I, I absolutely love this track. It's so simple, yet it's so effective when it comes to the races. Like, look at last year. We'll, we'll start there because there's plenty more than last year. It was fantastic, and I don't really think it holds a candle to what we've had in the past. To be fair, I guess, to last year's race, what was the, the fourth last race of the season? After that, there was Qatar, Jeddah, and Abu Dhabi. 
this this track used to be the the finale where craziness would ensue um, with these wild scenarios and it's also a place that's had unpredictable weather um, so there there's things that you know have created some amazing scenarios to to create entertainment and great racing and, and all that um, now we have Abu Dhabi a track that the drivers don't like uh, racing's been pretty sus in the past it's always dry and you know typically that um, typically that leads to a bland product. Um, 2010 though, uh, that might be the only exception. 2010 was a banger. Alonso stuck behind Petrov. You think it's going to be Alonso where Weber ends up being Vettel in insane. Uh, again though, that was a lot. I wouldn't say the race would have been that great had it not been a title decider, right? So that, that definitely plays a huge factor. But anyway, I'm not taking away anything from Interlagos because let's look at its resume. 2019, that was a phenomenal race. Max Verstappen took the win. Lewis Hamilton punted off Albon at the end. Uh, Gasly, I think, well, that was 2019, right? Gasly picked up the podium. Yeah, yeah, he came second, drag, out-dragged Lewis to the line. Um, and then I think Lewis actually got the penalty, which gave Carlos Sainz his first podium in F1. I think I'm getting all that correct. But, yeah, the 2019 race was, was epic. Vettel and Leclerc came together. Uh, yeah, so much happened there. 2012, I'm not even going to go through it all. One of the best races of all time. 2008, of course, bonkers with Hamilton winning his first championship on the last lap. 2003 also, I think, is a little bit slept on. It's one of the best races ever as well. Absolute chaos. And then also, if you look at the five sprints we've had so far, Brazil 2021 had to be the best we've had so far. Um, I've been pretty adamant why Brazil 2021 one is the best sprint and it's because of the scenario it wasn't actually to do with the racing because it seemed like lewis was really the only one doing anything out there um but had lewis not started from the back i'm not sure the brazil sprint would have been that great either i'm pretty critical of the sprints if you if you can't tell um but you know given interlagos's incredible resume I, I'm, i'll give it a pass i think it's safe to say it was always going to do better than imola i still can't believe we had a sprint there thinking all the way back like Yes, Austria, Silverstone, Monza, Brazil, all those tracks make sense. Why did we do one in Imola? Seriously, I, I really would love an explanation for who thought that was a good idea. But anyway, and it wasn't even terrible. Like, I wouldn't say the Imola sprint was so much worse than the other sprints we've had, so maybe I should give it some credit. But anyway, Brazil, it, it's, a, it's a track where you can overtake for sure. Um, I haven't seen anything on engine penalties, but it's possible that for the final two races, someone takes an engine penalty here. I'm thinking maybe Alonso. Um, and we also saw last year how fresh an OP, uh, or sorry, <laughs> how OP a fresh engine can be, you know, running full blast down, down that straight is, it was pretty special in the hands of Lewis Hamilton. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk storyline. Is there really one for this race? I, I guess maybe it's Mercedes and, and their performance. Um, I guess you could also talk about Vettel, although I think the storyline going into Abu Dhabi is going to be more about Vettel, not so much Brazil. He's down to two races left, and I guess while we're talking about him, he actually is auctioning off spots on his Abu Dhabi race helmet for, for a great cause. I believe it was some environmental cause. You know, that's his passion, so... I, I don't have the exact details of, you know, if it's a charity organization or if it's just going to be distributed amongst many charities. I, I'm not really sure. Um, but really cool, honestly. Like, such a great idea. Of course, Seb comes up with that. 
Um, and I was thinking, guys, should I break the bank and get a break by a sponsor on there? You know, it's for a good cause. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Imagine being one of my listeners and just you weren't you haven't even listened to this podcast yet, and you're like, what is on Vettel's helmet? Is that break bias? <laughs> is that break bias by Brad Kramer on Sebastian Vettel's helmet? That would be so funny. Um, my my predictions though. Let's let's get straight into these. Uh, I think you'd have to be nuts not to take Max here. Uh, even if things go wrong, he could spin at the start. He could break down in quality. He could anything. Have a bad pit stop again. I think Max in the in the RB eighteen could do exactly what Lewis in the W twelve did last year, and perhaps do it even easier. Um, I think I, I've said this a couple times, and I'm not sure if. Everyone would agree, even those that get involved with the sport, of course, I'm not really going to get the opportunity to ask them in 2022. However, I really feel that like having a dominant car is even easier in this new era because of the lack of the dirty air. Like we saw in Hungary last year, if, if there wasn't this dirty air issue, I think Lewis would have actually won that race and not Ocon. However, Lewis was stuck behind Antonio Giovinazzi for a few laps. Like, that's not a thing. And yes, it happened in Singapore. Max struggled to get past cars in Singapore, but Singapore is a different beast. That is a narrow street track with very limited overtaking opportunities. And Hungary, yes, of course, it doesn't have a whole lot of overtaking opportunities either, except it has two DRS straights that, especially the main straight, very capable of making overtakes. And, you know, it actually took Lewis a little bit because you get in that dirty air, you overheat your tires, he's on a long stint. You have to think about those things. And, yes, it's still a thing in 2022. It's just toned down. Um, and I think that makes it even easier for Max. Like in Spa, for example, and in Monza, he's just carving through the field so easily. And, yes, he's special. I'm not taking away anything of his capabilities. We know how good Max is. I just think that this era makes it even easier when you're that special and in your in a special car and the the performance gap is probably always going to be a little bit larger at the beginning of a rule change than at the end when all the cars kind of have a chance to catch up so of course there's that factor too but anyway going off on a bit of a tangent here let, let's start in qualifying because we got three predictions to make with the sprint weekend who's going to be on pole I think I'm going to have to stick with Max here even though pole position is actually the, maybe the one fun thing that we can predict because it actually can be a Ferrari um, and Mercedes is getting close however I still just think it's going to be Max and I'm going to have him ahead of Leclerc I think Ferrari definitely bounces back this weekend I think the engine issues were a bit of a one-off in Mexico their car is still going to be quick over one lap however you'll see in my race prediction I don't have a Ferrari on the podium in the sprint I will take Max ahead of Leclerc again you're thinking wait, they're, hold, they're falling off in races. Why do you have Leclerc finishing second behind Max? Well, in a sprint, there's less laps. <laughs> so they don't have to worry so much about tire management. They can just push, and Leclerc is extremely fast, and he's in a fast car. I think he'll probably end up finishing five or so seconds behind Max in a sprint race. But I'm going to have him holding off Perez. Kind of, I think he'll be pushing, pushing Max at the start. He's not going to get it done because Red Bull's too fast in the straights. And then... His tires are going to fall off, and then Perez is going to catch him. It's something we've seen so many times this year, and, you know, unless craziness happens, that is what's going to happen again. And I think that Mercedes will be there or thereabouts in qualifying, but I wouldn't be surprised if they qualified fifth and sixth again. Um, but in the race, when all those things are taken into consideration, strategy, which 
uh, Mercedes hasn't really shown that they've had great strategy this year, to be honest, either. Um, thinking last race, thinking Zanvoort, um, but then also that's Ferrari's weakness. The tire management, though, totally swings Mercedes's way, and I think I'm going to take Max Perez 1-2. Max getting the Grand Slam, well, not the Grand Slam, the, the trifecta, if you will, and making up a term. The, the pole, the sprint win, and the, the race win. And I'm going to have him, yeah, ahead of Perez. And then I think Lewis Hamilton's just going to keep turning in those good performances, um, finishing ahead of his teammate. And I think he's going to finish third. I could see Russell fourth. I could also see Russell fifth. I think it's probably more likely that if Hamilton outqualifies Russell, he will be third and Russell fifth with Leclerc sandwich in between them and Sainz in sixth. That's kind of how I see it. So I guess we'll see. Um, I think Red Bull should thrive here, though. And, you know, Ferrari's going to fall off like they always do. So that's kind of, I guess, my justification for my prediction. Um, I don't see Mercedes being an actual challenge to Red Bull here like they were in Mexico. Um, I just think, you know, I think Mercedes will be good. I think that this is even stronger race for Red Bull. I think the, the altitude actually costs Red Bull where it used to be something that they really enjoyed and something where where they thrived because aerodynamically their car was so strong it was just their pure engine output that lacked and then mexico actually brought them closer together because of the altitude but anyway uh let's let's do bold prediction and i believe that my bold prediction last week was correct i i believe that i had bottas finishing in the points and he did so and pat on the back. I don't even remember though. I maybe that was my Austin prediction. I I honestly don't even remember. <laughs> um, but I I really like what I've seen from the Alfa Romeo upgrade. Uh, I'm gonna take a gamble on Alonso taking another engine, and um, I'm I'm gonna have Bottas finishing best of the rest in P7 ahead of Alonso because of that engine penalty. And Lando might be, you know, doing some strategy to cover Alonso, make sure he finishes ahead of him and not worrying so much about Bottas. And Bottas puts away the P6 fight with a P7 here in Brazil. I'm curious to see where Aston Martin goes here because they were so bad in Mexico and it really seemed like they improved their car a lot. So I'm wondering if they have a bit of a bounce back race. It's really hard to tell with some of these bottom end cars, like where they're going to perform because they're just so inconsistent it's it's wild but anyway um we'll move on to the next segment and somehow in november we're still talking about silly season if you're wondering brad we're, we're talking about silly season who could we possibly be talking about well you should know better because there's really only one seat that we possibly could talk about and that is the second half seat i haven't really I don't think discuss this a whole lot, um, whether Mick Schumacher deserves to stay at Haas, whether they should go with Nico Hulkenberg. It's been a talking point around F1 for quite a while now, and I'm not sure if I've ever really given my take. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, there's actually a second silly season part, maybe possibly even a third that I, I will quickly touch on as well. This is kind of the main part of it, though. Um, and I guess I will just give my thoughts on who I think should get the seat and who I think will get it and then move on. Um, so looking at Mick Schumacher's performances this year, I would have to say that I've been let down. He, he's definitely performed under my expectations of him. I thought that I, I am one of these people, though, that consider Mick 
this is his rookie year. So I think that letting him go already is a bit of like, especially for someone like Nico, unless you're bringing in a superb talent, sure, go for it. And then K Mag is your is your steady veteran. Okay, but when your replacement is Nico Hulkenberg, it's a bit of a different story. You might as well give him at least another year. The reason, though, that I understand it from Hass's side is the the shunting, is how much they're costing Hass. Like I mentioned in the when I was talking about Red Bull's cost cap verdict, they everything that Hass spends their money on is coming out of their cost cap. They're not really having to worry as much as a Red Bull, Ferrari, or Mercedes about actually budgeting. Of course they do because they don't have the money to work with. It's a different type of budgeting, I guess. And Mick crashing the car this often is costing them a ton of money. And it really sets them back because that's money that could be going towards development and a ton of other things that help improve the team. Shunting does nothing for the team Results-wise and off the track, it's it's really bad. And if they, you know, continue to see this trend where Mick's not going to completely outshine Kevin, I find like he he's even now. But is that good enough? If Kevin's not crashing the car, but you are, I crashing is I think a tendency of a younger driver, and I think this is his rookie season. But even last year, we we called him Mazaspin all year, but Mick was the one that had the most damage in F1, I think, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I I understand where they're coming from, but I guess moving on to the Nico Hulkenberg side of it, he is exactly who they wish Mick could be. So that's why they just are going to take Nico because he's the veteran. He's not going to crash the car. He's going to get the results when the car is there on that day because Haas is very inconsistent. But there's no positive really besides just short-term profit of signing Nico Hulkenberg where the thing with Haas is I feel like they need someone who is going to consistently score points because scoring points and getting results is actually going to help them develop more. But by the time they get to where they want to be, which I'm assuming is just a solid midfield team, because let's be honest, Haas is never, ever going to touch a top three in the constructors. And with Nico and Kevin, they could be that fifth place team. However, I just, by the time they get there, Nico's going to be too old. And it's also a risk taking him back in. He, he's been off for two years. So I don't know. It's, I, I'm kind of, it's hard to talk about because it's so, it's just a strange scenario where you're going to give up an up and coming rookie for a guy who's never really, he's had great performances, but he's also cracked under pressure as well. Um, Everyone knows that he's never scored a podium, and all those times that he had a chance for a podium, usually there was a mistake in there. Um, yeah. Uh, also, some definitely he's been unfortunate as well in his career. I think Nico is a great talent. I just think that, you know, he's had his time. I, I'm not the first person to say this. Nico Hulkenberg has had his time. Mick has barely had his time to show what he's capable of. Yes, some people will say, oh, he's had two years, and what has he done? But last year, I don't think you can count it. That's my, that's my point. So this year, disappointing. But you know who was also really disappointing this year? And he's still, or sorry, disappointing last year. Not that like not that great this year. And still is a contract for next year is Yuki Sonoda. 
So why why is it okay that we keep Yuki Sonoda in F1? We keep Lance Stroll, who I don't think has ever beat a teammate in F1. Esteban Ocon has never beat a teammate in F1 until this year. And let's be honest, Alonso has been a lot better than him. Ocon's been great. But you get my point. Is Why is it all of a sudden that Mick Schumacher should be out? However, it's okay for these guys to stay. Why isn't Red Bull giving someone else a chance? Yuki Sonoda hasn't. He's shown slight improvement. Has he really been that great this year? No. He's he's made tons of mistakes. So, yeah, I think you get where I stand on this. It's I would stick with Mick Schumacher. I get what they're saying with Nico and why they would want him and why they would consider getting rid of a young driver like Mick, even with his you know, German background and the Schumacher name and all that. It's it's a tough decision for Haas, and I've heard rumors that they're going to be signing Nico Hulkenberg very soon, and it is literally the second last race of the season, and they still don't have a second driver for next year, which is crazy. Um, so I guess the answer to who do I think will get it, I think it's going to be Nico, and I imagine the announcement will come in the next two weeks. That is my guess. We will see. So quickly, uh, if Williams doesn't get Logan Sargent, because Logan Sargent has a job to do in terms of his results in F2, and if he doesn't achieve those results, he will not be in F1 because he doesn't have a super license. So if in that off chance that he doesn't, I, I would I think it's more likely that he does get the super license than he doesn't. But if he doesn't, who will they sign? I think if Haas goes with Mick Schumacher, it's Nico Hulkenberg, and I don't think it's even a debate. However... If Nico is signed by um, Haas, who will Williams sign? Honestly, I think it's I think it's Mick Schumacher. I don't I don't who else would it be? They're not going to sign Giovinazzi. I think Giovinazzi completely shot himself in that in the foot when he spun in in the U.S. in FP1. That was he he has lost his chance for F1 probably forever, which is crazy. Five laps into an F1, you get a gust of wind, and you're just you you'll never have another chance in F1. That's wild. Um, but I really just think who else is who else is out there in free agency? Like it's it's actually hard to think of. There's of course young drivers, but are they gonna are they gonna sign a young driver when they're trying to bring Sergeant in as their young driver? I don't think so. Mick is of course a young driver, so I guess I just contradicted myself there. But at least he's been in F one two years. I feel like it, they would be worth giving Mick another shot for one year. If he doesn't, can if he continues to disappoint, if he continues to crash the car, then out you go. We're bringing in Logan now. I I I wish I could actually give you more options of who Williams would sign, but I feel like it's got to be Mick, right? Like I just don't know who else is out there besides a young driver. It's just Giovinazzi, and Giovinazzi is just not the answer. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to move on because I'm really struggling to think of other options here. Um, yeah, so I guess the final silly season point that I'll make is is Daniel Ricciardo. He, he's talking to Red Bull and Mercedes about a reserve role. Who's he going to go back to? Uh, or sorry, is he going to go back to Red Bull or is he going to go to Mercedes? Honestly, I, I hope it's Mercedes. I hope it's a new look for him instead of going back to Red Bull. Um, however, if he went back to Red Bull, that would be absolute vibes as well. I just hope he's around next year. He said he would be, um, but either one of those teams would be a, it would be an awesome fit. So hopefully that takes place. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly talk about. I was kind of mentioning some young drivers there and. We're going to segue into that because my last topic is going to be about the young driver's tests. 
So going into this year, F1 implemented a rule that the all the teams, all 10 teams, would have to give a young driver um, two FP1s, at least two FP1s. And to qualify as a young driver, it actually doesn't matter your age. You just have to have not raced in two races. So Fittipaldi, who was younger than Nick DeVries, I believe, I'm actually not sure how old uh, Fittipaldi is, uh, Pietro that is, um, but Pietro's raced in two races. He almost didn't qualify yet. Nick had never raced in an F1 car, of course, so he did qualify. Um, so I'm just going to take it team by team who they've given an FP1 to so far and maybe talk about why or why not and some other things. And then some other teams still haven't finished their two. I'm going to tell you who's coming or who might be coming. So we'll do it in, in order of last year's constructors. So we'll start with Mercedes. They have given two FP1s to Nick DeVries. The one in France made perfect sense. He was their reserve driver, and he qualified as a young driver. Uh, Stoffel Van Doren does not qualify as a young driver, so perfect sense to give Nick a chance. Plus, he, yeah, he's never got the chance in F1. He was an F2 champion. Yeah, I don't think I need to explain why that makes sense. The second one, though, I this one had me messaging my friends, and I was so puzzled. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, okay, I guess I see where it came from. But the second one, Nick DeVries had already signed a contract with Alvatari for next year. And Mercedes is giving him an FP1 when he's off to a new team. So strange. Obviously, they're not giving him too much information, although I'm sure Nick's worked with the team for a while. I'm pretty sure he understands how, how they operate. Um, but it was also because Mercedes has a young driver in Frederick Vesti in F2. Why didn't he get the FB1 session. That was really puzzling to me. But like I said, the more I thought about it, it was probably in his contract. And if it wasn't in his contract, he had given so many years to the team that I feel like they promised him that he'd get the two this year. And they just felt like they owed it to him. They had a Nick gave a nice little goodbye to the team. So I feel like that's probably just why it was just a respect thing. You know, here, here's one last go in our car to say goodbye. Um, I don't know if that really was the, the deal or maybe it was in his contract and they just had to give it to him. Who knows? Um, but Frederick Vesti is getting the actual young driver's test. I know it's confusing because this it is called the Abu Dhabi young driver's test um, after the season ends. So Vesti will get a go in the Mercedes then. Now we're going to Red Bull. Um, for some reason, I feel like I, I'm forgetting their second one. But no, they've only done one. And that was Yuri Vips in Spain controversially um and they have tons of guys they could have went with um Liam Lawson who they gave him two shots in the AlphaTauri already which I'll get to um but I thought that he would be the perfect candidate to give a shot in the Red Bull but I guess not Jehan Daruvula, Dennis Hauger, Ayumu Awasa I always struggle saying that name and I thought maybe Nick DeVries too because he is a Red Bull driver now at AlphaTauri. Just throw him in the Red Bull. That would be kind of cool, right? However, no, they're not going to do that, it appears. Um, and this is one of the teams that I don't know who's going to get the second one. It could be Yuri Vips, but I don't know why they would do it to Yuri Vips. I would be interested to see DeVries, although that won't happen. And, I, yeah, I would want to see Hauger. I would love to see Dennis Hauger, who actually just announced that he's moving from Prema to MP Motorsport for you F2 fans. Um, but, yeah, I, I really don't know who's going to be in the second Red Bull. They have plenty of options. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the disco dips again. Um, but we'll see. Those are those are the options out there. And yeah, I guess I don't really have much more to say about them. So let's move to Ferrari. They gave Robert Schwartzman, the Israeli driver. Um, he is 100% Russian, but he was, I think, born in Israel or something. So he was able to race under their flag or else he wouldn't be able to race. Anyway, um, I feel like it's just got to be him. Again, I haven't heard them announce him at another race. I imagine he'll probably just get an FP1 in Abu Dhabi. But I don't have this one written in either of who it's going to be. The only other person I could see getting a shot in the Ferrari would have been Kalamila. But he's he's fully in IndyCar now and that's not going to happen. And then I thought that Teo Percher actually maybe had some ties. But no, he's just completely an Alfa Romeo development driver. So he wouldn't be in the Ferrari. I think it's just got to be Schwartzman. So McLaren, Alex Palau was in the U.S. And they've already announced Pato Award will be in FP1 in Abu Dhabi. So I'm really looking forward to that. He was in McLaren's Young Drivers Test last season. Alpine, they gave theirs to Jack Dewan in Mexico. And yes, they have Victor Martens, who just won F3, but I think they're 100% going to give their second one to Dewan. Again, I don't know when it will be, though. So I imagine it'll probably be in, in FP1 in Abu Dhabi because I guess I should have said F2 is in Abu Dhabi. So They'll be there regardless, and Dewan's probably going to be in the young driver's test as well. So Abu Dhabi makes the most sense. Alvatari, who I previously mentioned, gave both their, their runs to Liam Lawson. I guess the only thing I'll mention here is that I, with so many options for Red Bull, I'm surprised that they wouldn't give Lawson one and then Daruvala one, and then the, and in the Red Bull you give it to Vips and then give one to Hauger. Like, it's weird that they wouldn't give multiple people shots in the f1 car but then again i i honestly wonder if these teams even like allow them to push or like they just put i feel like they put them on programs they just kind of like this is what it's like you kind of get a feel of how to drive the car how the team works like I, I honestly wonder if they really ever are even able to show their stuff if they want so I don't know. I feel like this is just a box to check for some of the F1 teams. Like, oh, we got our FP1s to so not break the rules. Cool. Now we're not getting fined. Anyways, Aston Martin, Nick DeVries was in Monza. And then they've got Felipe Drogovic, who they signed after Monza, to do an FP1 in Abu Dhabi. So I'm looking forward to that one. That one. That one's awesome. Williams is the only team who's done three so far. Nick DeVries uh, was, when was Nick DeVries? Nick DeVries was Spain. And then Felipe, or not Felipe, Logan Sargent has done two now. He's done one in Mexico and in U.S. Of course, they did those to try to help him get his super license point. And he needed one more lap to get his super license point, And he didn't because of reliability error. Um, tough one. But anyways, those are who's driven for Williams. Those make perfect sense. Alfa Romeo. They've only done one with Teo Percher, but the second one is absolutely going to be him. He's like their only prospect. And then Haas has given Fittipaldi a run. Unluckily, he broke down in, in Mexico, and he's their reserve driver. He, he's going to be driving for them again in Abu Dhabi. So there you have it. Those who are going to be or have been the young driver's tests for all the teams, if that is something you're interested in, I just broke it down for you. And... If you know, I, th I feel like the Red Bull one is the most interesting one. Who is going to get that second Red Bull FB1? I have no idea. 
Um, I know some people have floated the idea around. I mean, this doesn't work for the FP1s, but floated the idea around of like Red Bull has sealed both championships already. Let's see Yuki Tsunoda race in the Red Bull. You know, throw Max back in the AlphaTauri. I'm not even sure if you can do that, but wouldn't that be sick? <laughs> that would be awesome. Max Max and Perez go for a ride in the AlphaTauri, and then we get Gasly and and Sonoda in the Red Bull. Um, would be super fun or even DeVries, DeVries and Sonoda in the Red Bull, screw Gasly, he's off to Alpine, right? Um, yeah, anyway, that's going to do it for the Bertrand Gasho episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 35 next week after the Brazilian Grand Prix. I just called it the Brazilian Grand Prix, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. <laughs> Honestly, guys, though, this is probably our last chance at a good race in 2022. Goodbye.